I have this corner in my bedroom. Uh, several years ago, Ikea recalled some of their furniture. Do you guys remember this? Because it was like tipping over on kids and stuff. Well, that was all of our bedroom furniture. And so Ikea recalled it, and they said they'd send somebody out. And then a couple weeks later, I got a call that said someone was going to be at my house in 10 minutes. So I had dressers and nightstands to clear out. And so I grabbed everything I could, trash cans, just threw stuff in, tubs, threw stuff in to kind of do it so they could come in and take the furniture away. They took the furniture away. We, my husband went and got tubs from Lowe's, like the plastic drawer ones. And I kid you not, we lived with those for probably almost two years. Because it's like, oh, we're totally going to buy furniture. We're going to get furniture. We're, oh, no, we're getting furniture. That's what I would explain to anyone that saw my room. We're going to get furniture. So we finally got furniture. However, there's a corner in my room that still has junk in it from when we cleared out, when I cleared out all those dressers. It's annoying. It's totally stressful. I have every intention of getting to it, of emptying just the little bits out and, and going through it. Does anyone else here have a project like that where you're like, I'm totally going to get to that, right? I, I am. I'm, I am. You make an excuse every time. I'm, we're, we're right we're on top of that. We're totally going to do that. Who gave up something for Lent? Anyone? Who thought about giving something up for Lent? I totally considered it. I had every intention of giving something up for Lent. How about this? Have you come across a friend who's going through a hard time and you tell them in passing, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you. And you can even do a bunch of prayer hands emojis on Instagram, but then you totally forget to pray. Like a week and a half goes by and you're like, I, I totally forgot to pray for them. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I did praying hand emojis. And I never prayed for them. Or someone says, will you pray for me? I've got this job interview at 2 o'clock. I've got a job interview at 2 o'clock. Will you pray for me for favor? Yes, I am on it. And then at 4.30, you're like, oh, I didn't pray at 2 o'clock. You're like, God, can you just retroactively apply that prayer to 2 p.m.? You know, like you're outside of time. I know I'm not the only one that has done that. Like, God, you're going to have to... You're going to have to do some time maneuvering and apply my prayer to that time because I totally forgot. So this morning I'm going to be talking about our intentions, specifically our good intentions. Um, we all have them. We intend to eat healthier, take a class at Las Positas. We're going to ask for that raise. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to spend more time with the kids. I am. I, that is the season. I'm spending more time with my kids. We fully intend to pray for someone. We fully intend. I'm going to prioritize my marriage. That's going to be number one. I'm going to spend less time on social media. I'm going to spend more time. We're going to spend more time reading our Bible. That's going to be our thing and having prayer time. I'm going to start exercising. 9 p.m. Kim is like, I am so getting up tomorrow, and I'm going to exercise. And 6 a.m. Kim is like, I don't know what she was thinking about, but I'm hitting snooze, and I'll try to work out. I fully intend to walk on the treadmill at lunch, and that does not happen either. So intention is defined as a mental state that represents a commitment to carrying out an action in the future. Intention is not the commitment. Intention represents the commitment. It's like a placeholder for the commitment. 
I had a friend in high school who ended up being the stand-in and the photo double for, can anyone guess who that was? That's Trinity in the Matrix. So she was the stand-in and the photo double for Trinity in the Matrix. Now a stand-in is a person who substitutes for the actor before filming. They set up the lighting, they get all that stuff in place. It's not the actor, even though sometimes she would act like she was the actor. It's not the actor. Um, it's someone standing in their place until the actual actor gets there. Our intentions are placeholders for our actions. They're a wish or a desire for an action that we would like to do. So this morning, this is what we're going to focus on. How many of you know that there's a difference between intending to do something and making a decision to actually do that thing? Even more than that, our decision has to turn into an action, right? So we have intention to decision to action. And we can get stuck anywhere in that equation for years. You can be stuck floating around like the Israelites in the desert, going around in that equation for years. And then we kind of have this pit of regret. I had every intention of doing that thing, but I didn't. I remember when I was a kid, my dad would talk about writing a book. He had every intention of writing a book. It was going to be called Job First, Question Mark, Family First, Question Mark, God First, Question Mark, and how a man wrestles with how to prioritize those things in his life. And he never wrote that book. And now here I am having an intention to write a book and thinking, am I going to get to the end and never have written this book that I know is in my heart? In Matthew 21, Jesus tells a parable to the religious leaders that have once again, they've tried to corner him and trap him um, with their words. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 28. 28 through 32. But what do you think? I love how Jesus talks. What do you guys think? So a man had two sons. He came to the first and he said, son, go work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and he went. The man came to the second son, said the same thing, and he answered, I will, sir. Absolutely. But he did not go. Which one of the two did the will of his father? And they said, well, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get to the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, didn't even feel remorse afterward so as to believe him. And I'll, I'll explain what he's saying there in just a minute. So Jesus had come into the temple, the Pharisees had grab, grabbed the elders, and they were all surrounding him, antagonizing him. They interrupted him as he was teaching, trying to challenge his authority, question his authority, where does it come from? And Jesus was so great with words. There's people that I do not like to argue with because they are so great with words, they will turn what I'm saying like to their side somehow, right? Jesus was great with words. He knew how to get right back at them. And I think sometimes in this particular 
subject. I think Pharisees can get a bad rap because I really do believe that Pharisees actually had the intention of being holy. They really, they intended to be holy. They were committed to holiness, but it was through the law. And this led them to do the wrong actions. They didn't understand that the law was pointing to Jesus. They didn't understand that John the Baptist was pointing to Jesus. So even though their intentions were good, they were still in disobedience. So Jesus begins the conversation with them. What do you guys think? The guy has two sons. He asks the first one. He says, I'm not going to do it, Dad. Nope, I'm not doing it. And then he regrets it, and he goes ahead, and he does it. Probably because the first son said no, the dad goes to the second son, and he's like, you bet, Dad, I'm on it. But then he doesn't go. Both sons were bound to serve their dad, bound to serve on the estate. They should have happily done it. That's just the way their culture worked. When the first son said, I will not, this would have been outright rebellion against his father's authority. It was unacceptable. Obedience was the only proper response that he should have had. And from talking to some of my mom friends, this actually made me think he was probably a teenager. I mean, is that kind of how it works? Somewhere around there? Scholars think he actually had zero intention of doing it. But afterwards, he changed his mind and obeyed, and he did the action. Charles Spurgeon says this, The first son was willful and wayward, but he was truthful, outspoken, above board, and all he did. The command was plain, and the response was as well. It was rude, rebellious, ungrateful, but it was hasty. And when a little time had passed, quiet reflection brought the wayward boy to a better mind. His repentance led to obedience, and he went about his father's business. And there's been many times where I've been like that first son. Some of you are there right now. You're where the first son was. God has asked you to do something, and you've said, no, it's too hard or it's too big, or maybe it's too small, and it's too insignificant. That's not really what I thought I was supposed to do. This seems too insignificant. Maybe it feels like a lot of work, emotionally or physically. But you know that he's calling you to reconsider what he's asked, and upon some quiet reflection to actually tell him yes. For some of you, that's why I'm teaching this this morning, because he knew you'd be here, and he wanted you to know hey, I need you to go ahead and just say yes to that thing that you've said no to. Don't you feel special? Whoever that is, he knows where you are. I think a lot of us fall into the trap of the second son, and the second son kind of reminds me of my kids. He's like, I will, sir, totally polite, accommodating, clearly he's going to obey. His father had full confidence he was going to do it, right? He was clear with his answer, it was a good one. But he doesn't go. He never went to the vineyard. He never picked up a tool. He's viewed as promising what he meant to never perform. I think he probably really intended to do it, but then things came up. Different priorities shifted. He got busy. He forgot, whatever, and he just didn't go out and do it. This is my children with, like, laundry. You can fold all the laundry and put it on their dresser, and you're like, put your laundry away when you get up in the morning. I will. 
You go to bed that night, you put him to bed. Okay, put your laundry before you go to, I really need you to put your laundry away when you get up in the morning. I will. That night, the laundry's still there. Um, the other one is, I, in full disclosure, my kids probably shower once a week. Not because I don't tell them, I need you to take a shower. I will. And then it's bedtime. Did you take a shower? So they're 10 and 12. Like, they should be able to just go take a shower. There's every intention for them to take showers. But then things come up, and they don't, and they forget. Right now, I'm trying something new. My daughter really wants, like, a parakeet. And I'm like, if you can show me you can take care of yourself, then we'll talk parakeet. If you can't shower and brush your teeth and wash your face and brush your hair like my daughter yourself, then you cannot feed a bird and clean its cage. So now she's like, I'm taking a shower this morning. You know, I'm like, oh no, it's going to backfire. But I mean, <laughs> there's every intention, but then things come up and they don't do it. The Pharisees intended to obey God. They did. They fully intended to follow the law into holiness, right? To follow the law into righteousness. But when John came showing them the actual way, and then Jesus followed soon after proclaiming he was the way, their good intentions weren't enough because the law wasn't what God was looking for. It was like, yes, we will do it, until it was, no, not if it looks like Jesus, not if it looks like this. So then Jesus asked them, which of the two did the will of the Father? And they said, the first, because he did it, right? He actually did it. The other son may have intended to do it and had the appearance of being the obedient son, but intentions are not enough. The first son was the obedient son because he obeyed. Even when he said no, even though he said no, when it came time, he said yes. And of course, their answer ends up accusing themselves. And this is why Jesus says, the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. This is why. Jesus is comparing the tax collectors and the prostitutes to the first son. Open sinners, nope, we don't want it, nope, we don't care, we aren't interested in holiness, you know, refusing the voice of God. But then when John came, they believed, they changed their mind. They turned around, and by believing his ministry of righteousness, they ended up placed before the holy men. The sinners were called faithful because they believed John when he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The chief priests and the elders, with all their rules, were compared to the disobedient second son. Because the prostitutes and tax collectors said no, but when John came, they were like, okay, we'll change our mind, we go. The chief priests and the elders, they were like, yes, 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 we'll go. They had all these I will statements, there was all this reverence for the law. But when John came saying, okay, you guys, here's the Messiah, here he comes, this is the way, they didn't repent. They didn't believe. So even though they said, yes, we'll do anything, when it came time, it was a no. Even though they had every intention of following the Messiah once he got there, that intention was enough to get them into heaven. They needed to make a decision to believe the claims of Jesus and then take the action of following him. No one gets to the Father but through Jesus, not through the law, not through works, not through ritual, not through intentions. 
How many times do we intend to do something, but then something keeps us from doing it? Or we do everything but that thing. What keeps you from doing the things you have every intention of doing? For me, sometimes I just don't balance my time well. And I run out of the time to do it, or I spend free time on the internet instead of doing something like clearing out that corner that's been there for several years. Um, stubborn. I can be stubborn. I don't want to tackle the closet. It's overwhelming. I don't want to do it. It's fine here. Nobody sees it but me and my husband, so the closet's fine. As don't let Marie Kondo into my house. She will not approve of it. So she'll be like, just burn your closet down, and we're going to build a new one over here. Um, sometimes I forget. I just forget that I had intended to do that thing, like praying for somebody or something like that, and I just forget. Or I'm afraid it will be hard. Or there's always good old procrastination, right? And procrastination works when you're working on, like, a high school paper. Procrastination's fine. Procrastination's not fine for, like, paying your mortgage, taking your birth control pill, you know, things like that. You don't want to procrastinate. Birthday cards, procrastination's not great because then you got to go buy the one that's like belated birthday, like they have a whole section of them. Forgot your birthday, sorry. Procrastination doesn't work for those things. But honestly, I think the biggest reason I don't do the things that I intend to do is that I just don't make the decision to do it. I let it linger there in intention, and I don't even let it get to, I'm just going to make a decision and do it. Intention is not enough, but sometimes I let it feel like it's enough. It kind of hangs out in the background, and we can sort of feel like we're doing that thing, right? Oh, I have every, I, I'm totally going to, um, I'm going to write that book, or I'm going to join that Bible study over there, and you, it kind of almost feels like you did it, because you really, know you really want to do it. Your intention is to do it, and so it's kind of like you did it. But then years go by without acting on it, and... You still haven't done it. So at the end of this talk, you're actually going to make a decision in a particular area that you've intended to change or something you've intended to do, and you're going to make a commitment to do that thing. It could be something little, like clearing out your three junk drawers, or it could be something bigger, you know? Intention's not enough, because attention won't take your car to the shop. It won't lose the extra weight. It won't teach you how to play the guitar. It won't write that needed email that you were supposed to write. It won't keep you from yelling at your family. So don't mistake intention for action because they're very different. What are the things that you've intended to take care of but you haven't gotten around to it? I want today to be the day that you turn some intention into action. Something that you have intended to do or start. Today is the day you are making a decision to turn that thing into action, okay? It might be bigger things. You need to stop dating that toxic person. You know it. You know you're supposed to, but you just don't want to break up, whatever. Maybe you're supposed to, you know you've been meaning to start date nights with your spouse because you guys are drifting away, and so you need to kind of get some focus in. You need to reach out to someone you miss, spend more time with your kids. It might be small things, cleaning the closet, corner of your room, reorganizing the pantry, 
Finish painting that wall because it annoys you every time you walk by, that it's not done. Little things that rob you of your peace. And I know we all have that when we walk through our house. I've been meaning to get to that. I've been meaning to get to that. I've been meaning to do that. And then they just chink away at your peace, you know? David Allen says, much of the stress that people feel doesn't come from having to do, having too much to do. It comes from not finishing what they've started. And I totally relate to that. When I was telling, reading this to my husband, he said, when you talk about intention hanging around in the background and how it kind of feels like you've done it, he said, that just stresses me out. And it makes me mad. And sometimes I'll just say, I'm just not going to do it at all. Because it hangs around so long, and I know I haven't done it, and I feel like a failure that I haven't done it, that I just toss the whole thing. I don't think that has to be the answer either. But it can be stressful. Last month during our discussion questions, Crystal encouraged us to fill in the blank to, um, dear woman, why are you? And what would Jesus ask us? And one of the women at my table said, stuck. Why are you stuck? And what we started to talk about was there were so many things to take care of, so many things to do, so many decisions to make that it felt very overwhelming. And then where do I start? Where do I start when I have too many things that I need to do? And I know everyone in here has felt that way. So I want to go over some tips for turning intention into action. Number one, just start with one. Just start with one. There's this quote that says, martial arts people fight four people at a time by fighting one at a time. That's how they get it done. One at a time. For me, there was an area in the kitchen that became a catch-all because as I'm preparing this, I'm like, I've got to, what is my one? I'm going to clear that out. So I cleared it out, got it all cleaned up. Next, I'm like, okay, what's next? What has been bugging me? I don't want to spend time on Instagram. I just don't like how it sucks up my time. I don't like how it makes me feel. My husband's not even on it because years ago, he's like, I feel like every time I post, I'm just kind of posting to show people how great something is, and I didn't like how that felt. So he's just, he's never, he hasn't been on it for years and years. So um, I decided, okay, I'm just going to get op- put Instagram on my phone or whatever on Saturdays. So now only on Saturdays do I get on Instagram. If I have something that I need to put up for Kim Rogers... During the week, I'll put it up, post it, and take it down but, and take, to get off Instagram. But right now, really, on Saturdays is when I'm, I get on Instagram. So I don't even think about it. So that's my social media time. My son, we went to a Shepherd's Gate banquet and bid on lunch with the mayor, Mayor Marchand, because my son is, that's so my 12-year-old son. That was in October. And every day, almost, he's like, Mom, have you set up lunch with the mayor? Have you set up lunch with the mayor? I'm like, I am, babe, my alert comes up on my computer every day to set up lunch with the mayor. I fully intend to set up lunch with the mayor. So I actually called and left a message with the mayor's office to set up lunch with the mayor. Number two, start with a, start with a hard one first, or the thing that you're looking forward to the least, um, because then everything on your list seems a bit easier from there. Because you know you have to do it. And if it's not now, when's it going to be? It's not like it's going to get easier. Number three, I read this on this uh, business website, and I thought this applies to everyone. Don't start your day on email. 
I realize when you go to work, like you kind of have to open it up and see what's going on. And the way things are now, people are getting emails all weekend long. I was with a couple women on vacation yesterday, and one of them was replying to work emails. Um, that's just kind of what happens. But if you can all, if you can help it, don't start with that and start with something you know you need to do before you open up email because then you get derailed and then you're on your computer and then you're on Facebook or then you're looking something online and then the thing that you really wanted to start your day, you wanted to get something done, doesn't get done. So try to spend some time working on something you need to do before you get derailed. Like set a time. Oh, at 10.30, I'm going to go ahead and get on email or get on my computer or whatever. Uh, number four, ask for help. And when I say this, I mean from the Holy Spirit. Because he is supernatural. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have this helper, counselor, guide in you who's going to help you, who's going to give you wisdom, who's going to help you get tasks done. He is with you in the things that you need to do. And so ask for his help. And then number five is, you know, Nike's slogan just do it sometimes i feel like that's what i want somebody over me saying just do it honestly kim it will take you 30 minutes just do it just do it right and so for some of you ladies that's the holy spirit this morning is like just do it just do it it's it's taking your peace i need you to just do it so it's one thing to talk about intentions and getting to the laundry or decluttering or doing those things around your house. But where I kind of want to hone in on this morning is when you have good intentions in some of the bigger areas that you're not acting on. Bigger areas meaning spending more time in the Word. You know, the Word of God that is life for you and lesson for you and hope for you and love for you. I know so many of us, I'm going to spend more time in your word, Lord. I, I am. And we've said that since we were like 17 or something. You know, like I am. That's what I'm talking about. Things like that. Giving your life 100% to God. God, I'm going to be all yours. I, I just need to hold on to these things. But at some point, I will. I'll be all yours. That intention is not, it needs to turn into action. You, you fully intended to forgive that person who hurt you when you feel ready. Just do it. Just do it. You have full intention of going to marriage counseling because you know your marriage is fractured. And you will. You'll make that appointment at some point. When you have intentions on some of these heavy things, you can't let them float around for too long. You've got to get on it and do it. Or obeying where God has... Told, obeying, obeying what God has told you. Leave your job. Go on this missions trip. Get involved here. When you know God has said something, like I said earlier, he has said something and you're like, I don't know. He's saying, no, I need you to just turn around and, and go ahead and obey now. I know there's someone here that for the last year, you have fully intended to quit that sin. You're going to do it. God, I'm going to do it. Or you've had every intention of joining a community group for accountability and fellowship. Someday I'm going to do that. Well, today is the day where me and the Holy Spirit are going to cheer you on and say, just do it. Make the decision to commit to doing it. 
So that's my challenge there this morning. Is there something God has told you to do and you said no, but you know that you're supposed to say yes? Or maybe you said yes and you've had every intention, but you haven't done it? If you're still breathing, there's still time to do those things, right? There's still time. There's no statute of limitations on God asking you to do something. So I want this morning to be the time where you make the decision to act. And so here's what we're going to do. There's actually tissue paper on your tables. And I'll tell you why it's tissue paper. Um, because I want you to write down on that paper what you are committing to act on this morning. It could be a big God thing. It could be, you know, cleaning out under my bed because that has been driving me crazy. This is why it's tissue paper. Because if it's on cardstock, it could sit in your Bible for the next 18 months and be hardy and stand up to time and you'll totally won't, you know, you could wait a long time. Tissue paper, you don't got that much time. It's flimsy, it's fragile, so you're going to write on that, and then I'm doing it on tissue paper because I expect it to be taken care of quickly because tissue paper isn't going to hold up in the bottom of your purse, right? It's not going to, you're going to have to do it because that tissue paper is not going to last. When I pray, I really felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on me that there will be women here who need to be reminded that good intentions don't get you into heaven. A relationship with Jesus gets you into heaven. And he wants all of you, and he wants your heart, and he wants to live in your heart, and he wants to guide your life and direct your life and be your everything. And that's more than just having good intentions. It's actually inviting him into your life. And so when I pray, I'm going to um, kind of lead you guys in that as well. So let's pray. First of all, Jesus, you came into this world with every intention of saving it. And if you would have said yes and then at the cross said no, what would we have? Thank you for following through on what you came to do. Even when you said, take this cup from me, but whatever you want, Lord, God, I'll do it. Thank you for being obedient and following through on your intention. God, I pray for these women here. I know that some of these things that they've been wanting to do have stolen their peace. It's caused friction in their homes or, or just a burden over their head. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that each and every person here, what they've written down to commit to do, that you would come alongside them. That's what your name is, the paraclete, to come alongside and help them to get these things done. Small or big, they matter, and I pray that you would help them and then look at the next thing. Okay, what is the next thing that I can just go ahead and do it? Help us, God, to not just live in good intentions, but to actually turn our intentions into actions. To be more than intending to make a difference, but actually 
do something to make a difference. And if you're in this room and you have, you know, you've come to church, but you've never really, like, given your life to Jesus, coming to church and intending to be a Christian is not enough. Jesus says, I am the only way. And he loves you and he's here. And he wants you to be all in so he can be all in with you. And so just in your heart, I'm going to pray a simple prayer and I want you to, to pray this. Jesus, I have, and you can pray it in your heart. Jesus, I have um, been getting to know you. I have seen your work and the people around me. And I have come to church regularly, but I know that's not enough. And this morning, I want to ask that you would come into my life fully, that you would come into my heart, fill me with your love and your purpose. Forgive me of my sins and set my life on the path that you have for me. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit to help me walk out the purposes and the plans that you've set aside for me. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill each and every woman here with peace, with purpose, with joy at what this weekend holds. Help us to forgive quickly and love quickly And tomorrow, help us to really get in the core of our heart the power and the beauty behind your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.